Welcome to the Everything RVC podcast. I am David Costello, and while I am joined by Amanda Keeper, she is not going to be my co-host today. She's going to be my guest. <laughs> Hello, Amanda. Be my guest, will you? I will do my best to be your guest. Yeah, flipping the script on you. <laughs> you, you did this to me not I too did. long ago, so my turn. Okay. Um, so this is actually going to be the last episode that airs for the season, mm-hmm. what we're calling season one of the show here. Um, I think I talked earlier about uh, us labeling the seasons by year. To me, it makes more sense. We're a college. We go by semesters to do it by semester. Oh, okay. So this, we're wrapping up season one here. And then when we come back in the spring, that'll be season two. Mm-hmm. If we do any summer episodes, that'll be season three and so on. Okay. I love it. So just logistically, that's my plan. Mm-hmm. So this is actually episode 30. Oh, episode 30. Okay. So that's a nice round number to kind of end season one on. Mm -hmm. So congrats on being episode 30. Yes. Thank you for having me as the guest. Yeah. Um, Thank you for texting me and telling me I was going to be a guest. And um, I'm excited, but I'm also nervous. It's weird. I was waiting for you to get here, and I'm working on some research today, so I'm in the library already, and I was just doing laps in the library, just trying to get some nervous energy out. So I agree with you. I am starting to understand a little bit today while some of the guests feel a little bit anxious because you want it to be something that's entertaining and also something that is of value, So, which that's ironic because that's the goal of our whole podcast. Like, yeah. let's start with some value with the RBC story. Then mm-hmm. let's go into the, the personal stuff. But you're doing something different today. And, I am. Tr- and truly, I mean this. You asked me not to look at the questions, and yep. I, di- I did not. Okay, good. So I have, I have zero preparation for what you're about to do. Good. I think that's the way it should be. Okay. I didn't really have a whole lot uh, to go on for my little thing that you did, too. No, so. you didn't. Um, I, yeah, I really enjoyed that. So yeah, this, uh, first half or whatever of the show will be, will be this. And okay. then, uh, since this is our last episode, I think we should sort of put a bow on season one. You and I can talk about the first season, some of the highs and lows and mm-hmm. not that there were any lows, <laughs> but maybe this will be a low. Who knows? We don't know where this is going to go yet. We so. shall see. <laughs> All right. So uh. I actually have, uh, Jerry, our friend Jerry Labai to thank, uh, for this. Uh, he sent this along and I had not seen it before. It's called the Proust questionnaire. Okay. Um, he's used it in some of his classes. Um, it has its origins in a parlor game, which was, uh, popularized by Marcel Proust, the French essayist and novelist, who believed that in answering these questions, an individual reveals his or her true nature. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Well, I love this kind of thing, so I'm on board. I do, too. There's I, This is going to sound like a lot, but there's 35 questions. Okay. Um, but I think a lot of them will be, you know, just kind of quick, what are your gut responses to these? Sure. Now, the question will be, where do we decide to go from there? Will we? Will I ask you follow-ups, or will we get off on tangents based on your answers? Okay. But we'll just see how it goes. I'm, <laughs> I'm super excited uh, because this is very much like what we already do on the show in that it's going to lead us down some fun roads mm-hmm. and also probably some serious ones. Okay. So are you ready? I'm ready. All right. I'm cool. ready. All right. Number one. What is your idea of perfect happiness? My idea of perfect happiness is peace of mind. So I have mentioned on this podcast before that I have really been shaped by an anxiety disorder called panic disorder. 
And there was a time in my life uh, when I was younger, the years of 2006, uh, 2004 to 2014, uh, really were very, very trying years in my life. I uh, developed panic disorder. And I didn't know what it was. And I actually had to leave the classroom many, many times. I felt like I was dying. I didn't know what was wrong with me. I actually literally thought I was going crazy and I was going to have to be put into an institution. I remember clearly, distinctly having my brother come over one day and um, he sat on my bed and I was just bawling. And I said, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I feel like I'm going crazy. And it was a terrifying time in my life. And through uh, medication and good counselors and education, I was able to get a handle on that, understand what was happening to my body. And now I'm way better. And it was actually one of the reasons that I went into clinical mental health counseling wow. so I could help other people. Wow, good for you. Thank you. I'm glad you got through it. Um, I, it's one of those things you would never guess, right? Um, if somebody didn't know you that to those depths, right? They would never mm -hmm. know that from knowing you on the surface. So, yeah. All right. So peace of mind. Yes. Peace All of right. mind. Uh, number two. Okay. What is your greatest fear? My greatest fear is death. Um, I, it, it, it's not really, it's, it's the fear is because I don't want to leave people that I love. Mm -hmm. So when I think of leaving like my husband or my son or people I care about, and not being a part of the magical moments that make this life so cool, that's the part that gives me great sadness. Mm. Um, so I think, and then also as a mother of a teenager, I think I sometimes fear death because I need to make sure he's prepared to be in the world without me. Yeah. And so I think there's that sense of urgency to really make sure that he's ready and he has those coping tools. And mm. I don't think anyone will ever be ready to lose a parent, but um, yeah, it's death. Yeah. Do you, do you remember how old you were when you first realized that you could die? Yes, I remember it clearly. I was in grade school, and it was the time that they started doing those atomic bomb commercials on mm. television. Mm -hmm. And I realized that we are vulnerable right. and that there are bad guys out in the world and there are bad, tech, there are bad um, uses of technology that have been created um, in my mind. That's how I perceived it. And I remember having really, really bad anxiety. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Hard to argue with that. That's <laughs> number one fear. Sure. Um, what is the trait you most deplore in yourself? Okay. So what trait do I loathe? Yeah. Deplore in, in is in loathe. Mm -hmm. I am. So asking me to be light is, is really difficult because of the nature of who I am. But I do not like that I am emotionally reactive. Um, I grew up in a trauma environment, and so in conflict situations, my body reacts very uncomfortably um, before my mind even catches up. So I deplore my emotional reactivity because it has caused conflict in my life mm. um, because I've had a hard time learning how to manage difficult emotions. Yeah, okay. Uh, kind of related, I guess. What is the trait you most deplore in other people? Um, superiority. Mm. People, oh. people that act as if they are better than other people. Um, people that make others feel like they're not a part of the group. Um, people that are bullies. Mm -hmm. Those are the traits I, I, I absolutely cannot stand. Yeah. Okay. Number five. Which living person, besides me, by the way, which <laughs> living person do you most admire? 
Oh, that's a great question. Right now, um, it this person is Jan Sealander. She's my counselor. Okay. And she is a brilliant counselor. She has introduced me to uh, Brene Brown, who is one of my favorite authors, and she is helping me with the characteristic about I mentioned earlier that I deplore, and that is my emotional reactivity. So mm-hmm. she's helping me in ways that nobody has helped me before. And every time I talk to her, I am just fascinated by the depth and the breadth of her knowledge and her ability to have me see my blind spots. So that's some that's someone that you met uh, as a result of the panic disorder and that kind of thing? Yeah, no? well, I was actually, I, I told you I'm a certified counselor. And so mm-hmm. when I was in grad school, I stumbled upon some research from John Gottman. And John Gottman looks at marital research. And I am divorced. And so that's been a, an area in my life where, again, um, John Gottman talks about conflict. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the four horsemen of the apocalypse being um, contempt, defensiveness, stonewalling, and criticism. And if you use those as reactive behaviors in conflict situations, and it's an overriding culture in your relationship that you're going to end up um, re- terminating that relationship. Yeah. Now, we all have those behaviors. Oh, sure. But it's, it's, is it the overriding sentiment in the relationship? And if it is, yeah. that's problematic. So I was researching and trying to find a new counselor because I knew I needed to go to one, and I saw she was Gottman certified. Mm-hmm. So that's why I picked her. Okay. Yeah. All right. Are you loving this so far? I love it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not nervous anymore. I'm like, okay, I'm just yeah. talking about things I love. Yeah. See, yeah. I know. I, when I read through this, yeah. I was just like, oh, gosh, I want to do this. All right. Uh, number six, what is your greatest extravagance? Oh, my greatest extravagance is definitely travel. Okay. I, I think some people get pissed off at how much I travel because <laughs> I, I said on an earlier podcast that Facebook is my scrapbook because I'm I'm really yeah. nervous that I'm going to get Alzheimer's. So I document everything. Mm-hmm. And I love to travel. Yeah. And it started when I was younger. Um, I was in the Spanish club in high school. And I had my first opportunity to go to Spain with the Mm. Spanish club. We didn't have money, so my grandfather sold candy bars at Bingo for about six months. And he was a womanizer. Um, Bless his heart. Rest in peace, Grandpa. (laughs) But he was a womanizer, and he sold so many candy bars to those ladies at at Bingo (laughs) that that my Spanish teacher, Uh. Mrs. Fall, told me that I had raised more money than anyone in the history, I, Grandpa, than anyone in the history of the fundraising um, program and I even had spending <laughs> money. So he paid for my trip and I got spending money because of his uh, womanizing ways. I was going to say, yeah, he, he paid for it. So did the uh, old ladies at Bingo, apparently. Yep, yep indeed. Oh, Grace, I saw you just won that last game. Do you like candy? <laughs> <laughs> do, you, what, do, you, do you like the caramel kind? I have the caramel filled kind. Well, I can tell oh. you, he, yeah, I, I, he would be so mean to these ladies. I don't know why he, they even. Even spent oh, so any. He strong armed them. He strong armed. He did. Yeah. He he said he said horrible things to them. He said you're going to eat them anyway, so you don't care what kind they are. You just take what I give you. <laughs> I will never forget that story. And you know I'm not an advocate uh, of shaming anyone for their eating habits. And that's what Grandpa did to sell my candy bars. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, Grandpa. Oh boy. Number seven. What is your current state of mind? Oh, I'm anxious again because I just found out that my son has asthma. Hmm. And I've known he has sports asthma, but he just went to 
be retested. And without any activity, his respiratory functioning was 65% without any exertion at all. Yeah. And so it has me anxious because anything that caused harm to my child, I'm like mama bear. And, yeah. you know, I'm researching. I've already added a couple support groups. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I'm anxious, but I'm You're also, anxious right now? Um, last night I was anxious. I am not anxious right now. My... I guess I'm coming off a really anxious night. Yeah. And you know how that affects your sleep. Oh, gosh, yeah. Um, but then I got here to work, and work always helps me calm down. So I was, I've been working and researching today, and that helps me calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I'm really nervous about my son's breathing. Okay. So. All right. Yeah. Uh, number eight, what do you consider the most overrated virtue. I had to be careful reading that to make sure it didn't say your. It's not your most overrated. What do you consider the most overrated virtue? I guess that's for anyone. Um, an overrated virtue. Okay, so this is going to go back to something that it, it will probably make sense to you. Okay, so Although I would like to be more emotionally controlled in conflict situations, Mm -hmm. some people hold themselves in high esteem because they are extremely logical. And they they put that on a a pedestal above emotional expressiveness. Mm. Now, I think that being logical is phenomenal. And every leader needs to have logical control. But every leader also has to be very comfortable with emotional expressiveness. So I have heard, you know, things like, oh, women are too emotional in business or women are too emotional in leadership. And that's a gender stereotype. <clears throat> but, and then if men are emotional, oh, they're, they're feminine mm-hmm. or they, you know, they are criticized. Mm-hmm. And I don't agree with that whatsoever. Okay. Love that answer. Number nine. On what occasion do you lie? Hmm. Well, oh, I don't want to get my son in trouble. <laughs> I feel like we've been really teetering on the edge. Oh, on man. The, everything RBC lately with uh, admitting our uh, illegal things we've done. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll just be honest. Um, and I might be judged for this, and I, it is what it is, but I've thought about it thoroughly. Uh, my son's 15. 14, almost 15, mm-hmm. and he swears on occasion, on occasion, and I'm okay with that. Um, and, you know, other people, they, you know, they just think that you shouldn't use bad words and that bad words are really um, a sign of a, a character defect and things like that. And so um, when Noah goes other places, he, he's not allowed to swear, but at my house he is allowed to swear. Okay. And I don't know if he tells the truth about that. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay. So I feel guilty about it sometimes. Okay. Sometimes I feel like the only word that can properly express what you're going through is a swear word. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah, I don't like the people that just, you know, it's every other word. Right. Stuff like that. Right. Yeah, and and that's actually what makes it more impactful Mm -hmm. is... You know, the person who doesn't swear all the time, when they drop one, it's usually, like, timely. It's well-placed, It's Mm -hmm. you know, and it catches your attention. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Number 10. What do you dislike most about your appearance? Hmm. 
I have been somebody who gains weight, loses weight, gains weight, loses weight all of my life. And even when I was younger, I had stretch marks and I still do today. I have lots of stretch marks. So I, I don't like those. Hmm. Okay. Stretch marks. Oh, this is a fun one. Okay. Which living person do you most despise? Oh, gosh. God, I have to say that publicly? I mean, it might be wise if it's somebody who works here to not say that, but like mm. maybe a famous person. Oh, maybe a famous. <laughs> which living person do I most despise? Um, I'll just say this. The person that I most despise is a person that will do anything to hurt other people um, as long as this person gets what he or she needs out mm. of life. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the means to the end don't matter to this person, and it has caused a lot of heartache and suffering around those people in my life, including myself, that I care about. Okay. And so when a person has power and they hold it over you mm -hmm. intentionally, knowingly, and manipulatively, that is a big trigger for me. Yeah. Okay. I think uh, that speaks to some people we know um, in the world right now as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a... It's a cultural thing, definitely. Oh yeah, and it's it's uh, it's a little bit uh, contagious as mm -hmm. well, kind of like a virus. <laughs> right. Speaking of timely things, okay, number twelve. What is the quality you most like in a man? Hmm. This <laughs> seems like a Cosmo question or something. Well, I, I, you know, the first thing that came to mind, and I'll just say the first thing that came to mind is my husband Gary and what I like about him, um, because I've had situations in my background in my childhood that I didn't feel safe um, my husband Gary has a way of making me feel very safe mm -hmm. and that is extremely comforting to me yeah okay yeah well, I mean I was hoping you would mention your husband <laughs> in the response to this one otherwise might have had to do some men who like to make me feel safe <laughs> <laughs> but I've had to do some fancy editing for Gary uh, okay. Uh, related. What is the quality you most like in a woman? Oh, gosh. How do you pick your friends? Well, that's, that's a great question. Um, I like, I, I'm just thinking of two of my friends here at Rock Valley College that come to mind right away. And what I love about them is it's just easy. It's mm. easy to be around them. I don't have to posture or wear a mask. I can be myself fully, and I know that they know my values. I know their values. We are each other's biggest fans. Mm -hmm. We will celebrate each other's life milestones, and we will um, be there for each other in the worst moments as well. Sure. And so, you know, I, I think what I just love about those friendships is it's just easy. And, again, you feel safe. You don't yeah. feel like that there's a risk in this friendship. Mm -hmm. I'm, ass I'm assuming you meant uh, you don't have to wear a mask around them metaphorically. 
course. <laughs> in 2020, you have to wear a mask around indeed, everybody, indeed, yes. even your best friends. Yes, that's correct. Okay, there's our public service announcement. <laughs> uh, number 14, which words or phrases do you most overuse? <laughs> well, I've been listening to the podcast and I say awesome a lot. <laughs> awesome. Really, Amanda, do you have any other words in your, your vocabulary to say that something is really good or cool? Um, so awesome. And yeah, <laughs> I think I've been listening to the podcast and I do too much of this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, Amanda, encourage the dialogue, but it doesn't have to be after every sentence. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, we all have our little... Oh, I mean, the podcast really holds a mirror up to you. Yeah, so, yeah. it does. Yeah. <laughs> this is about you, though, not me. So I'm not going <laughs> to talk about the things I don't like when I listen back. Uh, all right. Well, this is probably a softball question. But okay, what, what or who is the greatest love of your life? Oh, well, you know, two people come to mind, Gary and Noah. Mm-hmm. And... I don't think that, you know, Gary and I argue about this. I don't think you can compare the type of love that you have for your significant other and the type of love that you have for your child. They are just absolutely um, different. And Gary believes that if there was one bullet, it would be (laughs) to save Noah. (laughs) I just don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I'm just going to say two loves, Gary and Noah. I agree with that. I, I do. I agree with that. It's, yeah, it's like 1A, 1B, or however you want to present it. But right. Yeah, it is. Right. Yeah, it's different. No doubt. Okay. We're up to number 16. Okay. We're doing good here. We're almost halfway home. Okay. And I'm loving every second of it, okay. by the way. So, okay. all right. Uh, when and where were you happiest? Oh, my gosh. Um, so... I took a trip. There's so many things. And I'm going to go back to what Abby said in her podcast. I could say the birth of my child. Absolutely. I remember that day like it was yesterday. But I am going to go to a trip I took a few years ago with my husband. And we went to Spain. And we went to uh, Barcelona. And the architecture, the history, the culture, the food, Mm -hmm. the wine, and the water. Mm were unbelievable. And I I literally, I mean this when I say this, if it wasn't for Noah, I didn't want to come home. I could live there. I told my husband I could see myself living there for a year or two. Mm -hmm. I would absolutely love to immerse myself in the culture there. And the water is my serenity because of anxiety. So that, that place, and I've traveled quite a bit because of my love of travel, but when I was there, I truly... I truly did not want to come back home. That was your first time there? That was my first time there. I had been to Spain for the Spanish trip, but we were in other parts of Spain. Mm -hmm. Um, This was in Barcelona, and then Mm -hmm. we went to um, Sevilla, I think it's called. And, I mean, the people, you walk out on the streets, and you just, I like to people watch. I'm Mm -hmm. very curious about people, and I love people. I think that's why I love counseling and teaching and doing the podcast. I love to learn about people. Mm -hmm. And... I, sometimes I just like to sit and observe. And in Barcelona, the, the the beauty of the architecture is so breathtaking. There's something to do or see or experience to lift your senses or to yeah. uh, vibrate your five senses that you just feel alive. Hmm. 
I'm going to put it on my list. Mm. Places I'll never end up going because <laughs> we have a three-year-old now. <laughs> uh, wow. <laughs> Sorry, Elliot. <laughs> <sighs> I love you, Elliot. <laughs> We're going to Disney in 2023, baby. <laughs> He's going to Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, whether he likes it or not. We've already been saving for it. Well, so. they, they have a tour of Europe, I think, at Disney. So Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, this isn't about me. Back to you. So we're up to number 17. Okay. Which talent would you most like to have? Which talent would I most like to have? Okay, right away, things come to mind that I am like horrible at. Math mm. and singing. Okay. So I think if I had a talent, I would love to have been blessed with a math brain as well and then be one of those super, super smart people that have access both sides of the brain. Mm -hmm. It's like a singing math teacher. <laughs> well, if I only had to choose one, I would go with the math over the singing. Okay. Um, but I'm sure people around me that hear me sing might think differently. But If you I, were going to be a singer, what type of music would you sing? I think country or, yeah, definitely country. That's yeah. from my roots, my background. And it's just, it's part of my culture, my blood. Do you have to have a twang to sing country? You don't have to, but I like the twang. Like, yeah. I love Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton. I love old country. You yeah. Know? I feel like old country was more twangy than oh, it, it modern was. country. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Some people yeah. will not listen to old country at all. Because of the twanginess? Because of the twanginess, yeah. yeah. But my family, they grew up in the hills of North Carolina and like Asheville, North Carolina, but it's called Marshall. It's not Asheville, Marshall, North Carolina, mm -hmm. which is up in the, the holler. And twangy country is very much a, a part of my culture. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to know when that shift happened. Um, <laughs> it's obviously to make themselves more crossover mm -hmm. to pop, you know. So oh, they can, sure. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. Shania Twain, maybe. I don't know when it crossed over. I like, Faith Hill. I like all types of country. Yeah. So, yeah. There was a time when Taylor was country, and she's mm -hmm. yeah. long past that now. So. Right. Okay. Number 18. If you could change one thing about yourself, what would it be? Again, it would be the, oh, no, I'm going to say something different. If I could change one thing about myself, I would be one of those people that is highly disciplined. So I am more spontaneous, and I am someone who, you know, for example, when it comes to working out, I call myself consistently inconsistent. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, I... When it comes to eating healthy, I'm consistently inconsistent. Yeah. I feel that people who are extremely successful in their goals that they have aligned for themselves have the most self-discipline many times. Yeah. And so I think that my life could be served well by having more self-discipline. Okay. Good deal. Number 19. What do you consider your greatest achievement? Hmm... So that's hard to answer because I guess my greatest achievement was being able to qualify myself to teach in a classroom. 
Okay. And the reason I say that is because I don't think earning my degree has been my greatest achievement, but without the degree, I couldn't do what I do consider my greatest achievement. Right. And my greatest achievements come every single day in very small moments. They are in the classroom at the end of the semester when I see a student who couldn't look people in the eye because they were so afraid to stand in front of a group of people and give a speech. Mm -hmm. They were so afraid to even talk in a small group exercise that they, they barely even made eye contact to getting to the end of the semester and them saying, not only do I feel more confident, but I feel like I have a lot to share and that what I have to say is important and that I know I bring value now. Mm -hmm. That is my number one goal. One of my favorite stories is a student was so socially um, debilitated by so afraid of people that he purposely kept his hair really long Mm. and he kept his hair long over his eyes. And at the end of the semester, right before the last speech, he cut his hair off. Mm. And he told me after class that I... My, my class and the experience he had in my class helped him cut his hair so that he could finally look at people. Wow. Those are my greatest successes. Yeah. When I can help someone feel more fully themselves and fully expressive of who they are, that is a great achievement for mm-hmm. me. Were you an outgoing person like when you were younger? I, I think I was outgoing. I... I remember when I was in high school, I was really fascinated by talk show hosts Mm. and anything self-development. I I didn't really come into my own, though, until I started at Rock Valley College. Mm -hmm. I really, before 18 and before coming to Rock Valley College, I really found my value and my relationship to other people. I was extremely insecure and... I only found myself value um, valuable by aligning, aligning myself to people that I thought were achievers and doers, um, families that had success in the form of money, houses, cars, going to college, um, people that I could see that they were successful material, you know, materially. But then my whole value was, Okay, let me just say, my whole value for my my entire high school career was being my boyfriend's girlfriend. Okay. And when he broke up with me, like, I was devastated. Mm-hmm. I felt like my life wasn't going to go on. My self-worth was found in being his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And thank goodness he left to go away to college in another state, and I had to come to Rock Valley College. And it was only through coming here and having teachers say, I see you, I see something in you that you don't see in yourself, that I was able to try on the identity that they were offering me. And then I started to become more outgoing. Another RVC success story, right? Absolutely, yeah. When did you know you wanted to teach speech? I know we're diverting from the questionnaire. We're going to get to the second half here. The day I got my grading rubric back from Dave Ross, and he said, I think you could be a very effective career teacher, keep it in mind. Mm-hmm. Boom. That was it. That was it. Nice. Yep. All right. Here take, we go. take Dave Ross out of my life. Mm-hmm. Take one person out of my life. Take yeah. Dave Ross out of my life. I don't know where I would be. That cause and effect. Yep. Yeah. 
All right. I love this question because it's one of those existential. If you were to die and come back as a person or a thing, mm -hmm. what would it be? If I were to die and come back as a person or a thing. First of all, do you believe in that? I don't not believe it, nor do I believe it. I haven't thought about it enough to really consider to mm -hmm. consider it. Yeah. Um, but I. Okay, so do you watch Outlander? No. Okay, I know. We talked about this. You, you have to watch Disney now and stuff like that. So I'm, I apologize for okay. triggering you again. Um, but Outlander is this show that I really love because it goes back in time. And a pr the characters, one of the main characters in the show, um, she is able to influence people to make different decisions that would change world history. Mm. So I'm going to say this because this is the first thing that comes to mind. If I could come back as someone... This is going to sound really weird. I'm just speaking out loud with no pre-thought at all. That was that was my hope. Um, I would come back as Hitler. Wow. And I would rewrite the story of Hitler. Hmm. Interesting. That is not where I thought you were going there. Okay. I love it. I have, by the way, remind me sometime, I have a... I have an idea for a story, whether it be a short story or maybe it could turn into a movie or just like a one episode of a sci-fi show or something that revolves around that concept of reincarnation. Mm, okay. okay. Yeah. So, but again, this is not my show. <laughs> well, it is my show. You're my guest. I can do whatever I want. Uh, question 21. Where It's our show, but today it's my show. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Question 21. Where would you most, or we already know this, you already answered this, where would you most like to live? Barcelona, Barcelona. Mm -hmm. Okay. 22. What is your most treasured possession? Hmm. I don't have a lot of um, attachment to things. So that is a hard question. Like, mm -hmm. I... I just don't. I mean, I'm the type of person that would give you, if you liked something that I have, I would give that item to you because I just don't have a, an attachment to things. Oh, cool. I like your car. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even have an attachment to that thing. Give me your keys. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to find a car that I'll feel attached to, but I still haven't found it. Um, gosh, my most prized possession. That is really tough. Um, what would be that thing if your house was on fire? Right. Yeah. You got to go back in and make sure you get this. Yeah. I just value human life over anything else. And, but, uh, you know, the first thing that comes to mind is Noah's baby book, mm. his baby box, where it has his first haircut, his first tooth, yeah. um, the announcement that we had, yeah. the cards that people gave us. You know, this was a very defining moment in my life. Yep. And just to hold on to those memories would be really special. Yeah. Perfect. Number 23. Oh, boy. Here we go. <laughs> what what do you regard as the lowest depth of misery? The lowest depth of miser misery is um, mental health trauma. Mm -hmm. um, you know, this is true for so many people, but it is the feeling of hopelessness, the feeling that there's no meaning in life. And the feeling that just getting through a day is a struggle and takes work and effort um, to get out of bed. Yeah. No doubt. I've gone through it 
And anyone who has knows that knows. it's true. Yep. yep. Number 24. What is your favorite occupation? Your current one. Well, that's interesting because someone just gave me an idea for a dream occupation that I would have. Uh, but here are my here are my dreams. My <laughs> dreams are to help people be the best versions best versions of themselves. So I have, like I told you, I have a master's degree in communication. That's how I'm able to teach public speaking. I have an MSED in clinical mental health counseling. And then I'm a certified coach, John Maxwell, speaker, trainer, and coach. Mm -hmm. And of all of those, I really enjoy working one-on-one with people. But I like to do it in a coaching capacity. What I found is that doing deep clinical mental health work with people that have severe and persistent mental illness mm -hmm. was too difficult for me. I am an empath. And so I would take that home and I would, it would torture me watching people that I had come to care about be tortured by mental health issues. And I realized that I have these gifts, but I want to do it in a way that is more positivistic mm -hmm. and uh, let the people that are really experts in crisis management do that work because yeah. they're so needed. So I love doing coaching now because I can take highly functioning people and help them get to the next level. And But I can also dig deep and get to some of the, um, some of the, the obstacles mm -hmm. that are holding them back. But in the coaching format, it doesn't feel, the expectation isn't that I'm going to help them solve or help them process their severe mental health issues. Sure. Um, so it's more of what I discovered was a failure, but, but I thought it was a failure, but now looking back, it's not a failure, it's just not my gift. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah. Love it. 25, how are you feeling? We're Great. getting We're getting there. Yeah. Okay. I'm not exactly sure what this means. Maybe you do. What okay. is your most marked characteristic? Is that like a marked? Tat tattoo? Marked? Make yeah. it, okay, so what is your most marked characteristic? So that means the way I interpret it is what is the characteristic? Like if I asked 50 people to describe me, uh, what, what would m be the overriding theme? Okay. And... I can just tell you what I've been told by people. I care a lot. I am very, very caring. If you mm -hmm. spend any time with me at all, you will know that my eyes are always on helping other people. And I feel alive when I can help other people. And when I can help other people help other people, that's even better. Mm. Okay. Number 26, you kind of already hit on this earlier, but what do you most value in your friends? I most value in my friends um, unconditional positive regard for my value, their value, my weaknesses, their weaknesses. Um, I value friends that... I don't feel like there's any drama. Mm -hmm. You know, it's really hard to have friendships with women. And I just don't want any drama in yeah. my life. No drama. No drama. All right. 
You also answered this one earlier in a different question, but I'll let you bring this person up again. Who are your, or you can actually add others because of the way this question is written. Who are your favorite writers? Well, I was just working with a client, a coaching client the other day, and she brought this book up and I said, that's brilliant because it's also one of my favorite books, but it's Victor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. And he survived the um, concentration camps in World War II. And he was a psychologist that studied why people, why some people survived and some people didn't. Most people didn't. And what he found was that you will survive more often if you have a strong inner life that is able to find meaning and purpose in everyday moments. Mm -hmm. And it kind of makes sense because my biggest fear is death, right? Yep. And then my, I'm, I'm very concerned about existential types of questions. And, and Viktor Frankl, he touches on hopelessness. And it also makes sense of why cl severe clinical mental health um, persistent issues were so hard for me because it's so hard for me to look into the eyes of a hopeless person. Mm. And that book gives the reader hope that you can get through the most terrifying, traumatic experiences of your life that it is possible. Yeah. Okay. Who is your fictional hero? Hmm. My fictional hero. It's hard for me because, you know, you and Jerry, you know, you guys, I feel like I said earlier, I don't like feeling like the out group, but I sure do. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> totally kidding. Yeah, but yeah. I am just not a like TV pop culture type yeah. of person. Um, it could be any any character in, in any fiction right, piece of fiction, any right. book, any any fictional, any, any fictional, any TV show. Right. Yeah. Could be Daniel Larusso. <laughs> <laughs> I know you watch Cobra Kai, so. <laughs> <laughs> the quote I have in my head, I can't say on the podcast, <laughs> okay. and it's not from Daniel Russo. Oh. Okay. Uh, let's see. Okay, so a fictional <laughs> character. Hmm. You know, I don't know because I don't follow people, and I don't. I just don't follow anyone that closely. I'm just going to give you an example of a character from a show that I just watched. Yeah. Um, and what comes to mind is the Queen's Gambit, and she's a woman who is trying to break into the chess world and she's one of the first mm -hmm. and she had some really tough times she grew up in an orphanage and she ended up with mental health issues substance abuse issues hmm. um but she was like determined to she was determined to meet her goals and she tried, and she tried again, and she tried again, and she tried again. She'd fall. She'd get back up. She'd fall. She'd get back up. She always got back up. Mm -hmm. and, and I like I like to see that people can do that. Okay. Number 29, if you're wondering where we're at. Okay. Which historical figure do you most identify with? Oh, man. Historical figure that I most identify with. Hmm. Again, it's hard for me to, you know, I have people running through my mind right now, so let me think about this. 
You know what? I am going to pass on that question because okay. I just don't feel like I have spent enough time thinking about that to even compare myself. And I would not want to do the, a person injustice not knowing enough about them. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to pass on that yeah, one. That's a tough one. I'm not sure how I would answer that either. Number 30, who are your heroes in real life? Hmm. My heroes in real life. I don't have a lot of hero worship. Again, I'll keep saying that. Like, I just have never been one of those people that mm -hmm. really follows any one person. But I will say, okay, so my heroes will be people that have been there for me during suffering. My Aunt Jeanette is a hero to me. Um, she is my great aunt, and she has been like a mother figure to me. And when I have had moments where I just didn't feel that bond that I really needed, she has been there for me. Mm -hmm. And that has been huge. It's been very healing to have a person like her in my life. Um, other heroes, again, I'll go back to Jan Sealander. She's an absolute hero in my mind because she, I've been to counseling over the years so many times. And until I met Jan, like I don't, I didn't see real sustainable change possible in some of my weak areas. Mm -hmm. And now I, I do okay. feel like it's, it's possible. Okay. Number 31. What are some of your favorite names? They have to go back to names of people I really care about. So Jeanette is a, a great name of, that I love. Um, growing up, I always, always loved Olivia. Okay. I think I read a character in a book called Sweet Valley High or something about mm -hmm. these twin girls. And maybe, maybe that name popped up in one of those. Um, I love, I love boy names for girls. Okay. So like Charlie, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. for a girl. I love Bridget, another person that I really admire because of her way of finding joy in life, even during the hard times. So yeah. Okay. All right. 32. What is it that you most dislike? Could be anything. It goes back to, this is so easy for me. It goes back to my earlier, an earlier question. I despise people that make other people feel less than. Mm -hmm. I have a real trigger for that. That the, the superiority complex or feeling like you ever could have the audacity to feel like you're better than another human being is yeah. very, very hard for me to be around. Okay. We're almost there. Number 34. This is interesting because it circles back on your greatest fear, which was question number two. Okay. And now the second to last question is, how would you like to die? Oh, gosh. In my sleep. <laughs> really? Yeah. Just okay. in my sleep. Peacefully. Peacefully. At, at what age? As old as possible where I'm still healthy. Mm -hmm. So I can still walk. I can still, um, uh, you know, that I'm not a burden on my family members, but that I'm still able to, you know, have some sort of value in my life. Um, yeah. You know, as old as possible where I'm still of sound body and mind yeah. in my sleep. Sure. I mean, isn't that everybody? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Okay. Last question. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> what is your motto? My motto. Mm-hmm. Um, all I can think about 
is going back to the mission statement that I developed for my coaching practice. And I have tried to design my life this way. My goal is to help inspire other people to design a life with fewer regrets. Mm -hmm. To inspire other people to design a life with fewer regrets. And so if I had a motto, it would be no regrets, right? No regrets. Like I don't want anyone to get to the end of their life and not have had the pleasure of having a healing relationship with someone that sees them for their full potential and helps them actualize their natural talents and and in a way that makes their life more joyful. Do you know what's really ironic and kind of funny? What? I missed a question. Okay. I accidentally crossed it off uh, before I asked it. And guess what it is? What's your biggest regret? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you just said, you yeah. know, no regrets. Yeah. So, like, you have none? Oh, I definitely have regrets. Okay. Um, but most of my regrets are around decisions that I've made in a trauma response. Mm-hmm. And so I don't feel comfortable sharing some of those. Yeah. But I will say that my regrets came because I didn't have enough information or enough people supporting me in a safe, loving way to make better decisions. Yeah. And so if I can be a safe person for other people to get to decisions that they don't regret, that is a happy place for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. That is it. That wraps up the uh, Proust questionnaire. All right. That was awesome. fun, right? That was really fun. I came away with some possible episode titles from that, as, you might, as you might imagine. Okay. Do you want to know them or do you want to just be surprised? I want to be surprised. Okay, good. Yeah. All right. So that's that. So I would like for, like I mentioned at the top, I would like us to kind of close this episode out mm-hmm. as the last one of the year, mm-hmm. just sort of putting a bow on season one of everything RVC. So I guess I would ask you, what have been some highlights for you or Mm -hmm. has this show been what you wanted it to be? This show has been what I wanted it to be and more. I was talking with Maria downstairs in the library and I told her this morning that I feel almost embarrassed that I was so uninvolved and I sent you, David, a message on Christmas, and I, and I thanked you. Yeah. Because... Thanksgiving. Like, on Thanksgiving, sorry. Mm-hmm. I sent you a mes- message on Thanksgiving, and I said, I want to thank you because take you out of my experience at Rock Valley College, and I would not be as connected with a third of the people that I feel connected with now. Um, you saw some value in me, brought me in for an interview for RBC SOS years ago, invited me to the athletic banquet um, to, to join, you know, the, the athletic director. You have invited me to on-campus events that I never would have gone to. I, I was a teacher that would do my job and go home. Mm-hmm. That's who I was for a long time. Yeah. And I told Maria today, I said, I feel like I am awake now. Mm. I feel like I got woke up to the beauty of Rock Valley College. And I am filled with pride and excitement and possibility. And I know that this is a great place to work. And every 
time we come into this podcast room, I get to meet someone new and form another connection so that I can continue to build my work life in yeah. a way that is so much more meaningful than it used to be. Um, I do. I feel like I have a work family now, mm-hmm. and I never did, and that was nobody's fault but my own. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I I, I did appreciate that message from you mm-hmm. on Thanksgiving, and that means a lot to me. Um, and you know, I feel the same way. It's been a really, really an eye opener. I was actually just talking to. Uh, Dr. Malig mm-hmm. uh, up here before we came in. And she's going to co-host with me, or actually, uh, by this point, she has already co-hosted with me. Um, I keep forgetting how these uh, get rolled out. But sure. anyway, um, and she was talking, she was thanking us for doing this show mm-hmm. because um, she listens to every single one of them. She's learned a lot about uh, about people, things she didn't know. And, and she she talked about the morale piece. She mm-hmm. said, really feel like that show is is helping our morale Mm -hmm. because it's bringing people closer together. It's humanizing the people who work here. Uh, I mean, immediately after our first episode, we got great feedback from people. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised. I'm still surprised. I had somebody pop in my office last week who I was surprised uh, listens to the show and Mm -hmm. just wanted to come in. And that's all they wanted. I thought they were there for something else. And they were just they happen to be talking about that. That's why they came down to tell me that they're really enjoying it. And, you know, thanks for doing it and that kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's been great. I don't Have you had any favorite guests? I know it's, we don't really want to single people out too much and, you know, favor people, I guess, but there's, there's definitely been some. I'll tell you, I, I have had such a great time, but the, the standout for me, and it's because this person is so gifted in her way of being that she made me feel safe enough to reveal a secret that I'd been holding, and that's Michelle Rodert. Mm. And when, when, when she talked about justice and injustice and restorative justice and talked about why people feel shame and why people you know hold things in, I was able to share something I was really embarrassed about. And I feel like if I can share more time and more space with people that can help me have a restorative experience, that I'm better for it. And so I've been able to sit into this room and have experiences and conversations with people that have helped me heal at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that I really love is that we get to help hold up a light and and shine a light on so many different people that need to be recognized and deserve to be recognized. Yeah. Um, So Michelle was a favorite guest. Of course, Dave Ross was a favorite guest because He's just a really beautiful storyteller. And I really enjoyed um, Don Dundas. Mm-hmm. I would listen to that, that podcast back. Man, she provided so much value. Yeah, She's also a great storyteller. I think that my favorite guests are naturally good storytellers. Why does that help? Because as a listener, it helps people remember the content. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's been a lot of fun. I know I've had some... I hate to single people out too, but yeah, George Hernandez was fun. You weren't here for that mm-hmm. one, but um, that was fun. Michelle's, yeah, Dr. Jacobs. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, that was Lorraine, fun. Lorraine, Logan, mm-hmm. of course, Abby. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, they've all been a blast on one level or another. So, yeah, it's been great. Um, I also know you um, 
you've given out like an extra credit assignment to your students to kind of listen and mm-hmm. provide some feedback. Mm-hmm. And that's been interesting to read through those too. And just to toot our horn a little bit, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So I, anytime I can connect an extra credit opportunity to the content in the class, I can, I can make sense of it. So I offered my students extra credit and they had to listen to a podcast and then describe what they felt was intellectually stimulating, mm-hmm. creative, relevant, memorable, uh, those were the four things. Yeah. So do you have some feedback there? Yeah, this is one you one that you sent me. And uh, there were some nice comments in there and also some stuff that made me laugh. So I thought I would read some of it. But he said he was pleasant. He listened to the Michael Youngblood episode and said he was pleasantly surprised with the show. Said he went in with some trepidation. He said, let's be honest, how entertaining and informative could a <laughs> podcast about a community college in Rockford, Illinois actually be? <laughs> Thankfully, it was both. Um, he talks about us. He says Keeper and Costello sounds like a vaudeville act. Um, <laughs> is this student an older student? Because like, who knows what a, a vaudeville he's, act he's is? He's an older student. He's yeah. brilliant. I've asked him actually to join a project I'm working on because he's a beautiful writer, as you can tell. Yeah, that makes sense because yeah. I, I can't. Too many young people would say vaudeville act, but uh, do a great job of keeping the conversation going, asking engaging questions, and keeping the conversation light. They actually listen to the interviewee and ask questions centered around the guest as opposed to waiting to ask questions from a list. This is a very important skill to have as a host. The reason I highlighted that and wanted to read that is we're, I am proud of that part mm-hmm. of our show. Mm-hmm. Um, we often come in with no notes. Right. Um, we don't have a list of questions. We don't right. provide them a list of questions. We literally let it just be a free-flowing conversation, and we do exactly that. We try to listen to what they're saying. Mm-hmm. The next question often just spins right off of what they just said. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. That made me think of this. Mm-hmm. And it's just a much more free-flowing conversation than me just doing kind of what I just did with you and going literally down number one, two, three, four. Mm-hmm. Our podcasts um, are very organic, and that's yeah. the way we wanted them. Yeah. So, yeah. So that was really nice. And we, you've sent me some others, and we've gotten some good feedback. And just in general, I've been very pleased Um with the feedback. So yeah, it's been, it's been great fun. Is there anybody in particular? I know we're already booked out through March of 21, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, is there anybody who's booked to come on for season two that you're really excited about? A lot of different people, but I am extremely excited about having Tom Mac- McNamara on the, on the show. Um, because, you know, I think that if we could start connecting people in our community to work on common goals, we could do some really cool things. Mm-hmm. So I have a conversation with him coming up December 22nd about a project that I'm working on. And when he comes in for the podcast, I just want to further the conversation and, and try to find ways to connect different leaders to the college so that we can provide the best possible experience that any student could possibly get. Mm-hmm. Um, I I want to, I'm just, this podcast has inspired me, meaning the people that come in here have inspired me. Yeah. And anything that I can do to find somebody who maybe has some resources or some influence that could connect our college to a, a bigger goal or the greater vision for our community, I'm excited about. I pulled up the God, I was wrong. We're almost booked for the entire season two already. I was going to say, I think um, there's only like four or five spots Yeah, there's open. only a few spots left. Um, that's booking out through uh, through the semester, through May. So, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we've got 
I've just teased some of the people you can hear in season two. Aaron yes. Fisher. Yeah, we're, so we're, excited about that. She's going to come on pretty early on in season two. Mm-hmm. Darren Monroe. That'll mm-hmm. be a good one talking about athletics. My student worker, Amelia, is coming on. Oh, and, she's my yeah. student. Oh, yeah. So, and she's in your class. So, yeah. Yes. So, you, so you know who she is. She's phenomenal. Fantastically interesting person. She's from Russia. Yes. Um, went to high school in both New York and California. So junior, mm-hmm. senior year. Um, and so it has very interesting background and just a delightful person. So can't wait for that. Uh, George Hernandez is coming back and he's bringing his wife. He's bringing the, Julie yes. and they call it the Hernandi yes. episode. <laughs> so that's going to be great. Uh, they're both, if you don't know, they're both psychology professors here. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be great. Um, gosh, we got a ton of good ones. I um, like that we're having people from different areas of the college come in. So we have some people coming in from chemistry, mm-hmm. biology. Um, Joe Haverly is coming. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. I really want to get every area of the college represented. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my goal is that every, by the end of this, which I hope this goes on for a long time, that we have every nook and cranny of the college covered at some point. Mm-hmm. There's only a few slots left, but are you, is there somebody who's not already booked that you're... Yeah, Catherine Check <laughs> from right, Chemistry. Catherine Check, I would love to have you on. Paul Gunzel. Yeah, I was going to say, did you go after him yet? Because he's been recommended by a couple Paul people. Paul Gunzel, I've emailed him twice. I have clearly no influence over Paul. So if, if, if you know Paul <laughs> and you can uh, twist his yeah. arm, please get him on the show. He's a math professor. I think he's... He's super witty, super fun, and I, I just think he'd be a great guest. Um, Catherine Check, for, like I said, from chemistry. Let's see, who else? I would love for Maria from the library to come up here. Mm. She, another person, hidden gem at RVC. The lady opens her mouth and cracks you up. Yeah, she's uh, funny. Yeah, <laughs> I got to know her a little bit um, when back when we could do things. Um, mm-hmm. We had a little pickleball group that played uh, pickleball at lunchtime and she was part of that group. And this is why your experience has been different from my experience at RBC. <laughs> You've been in pickleball groups. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I did. There, there used to be a basketball group, but I out, uh, uh, I, uh, I'm too old for that now. I okay. Can't, you know, All right. I, I can't hang in. I don't know. I saw you. I mean, if we could do it like a three point shoot. Yeah, I can still shoot. shoot. I just yeah. can't run, defend, right. jump. Yeah. Do right. anything like that. Breathe. So, yeah. <laughs> you exactly. can't breathe anymore. Yep. <laughs> So, yeah, I guess that's a wrap on season one. This was episode 30. This was a a fun chat with you, getting to know you a little better. And, you know, that's been another fun part for me just doing the show in general is getting to know Mm -hmm. you better. And um, I like our balance. I I was a little concerned at first because I thought maybe we were too similar Mm -hmm. to do this. But we actually bring enough balance to each other. Um, you're definitely a little bit more, well, for one, you're a lot smarter than me. No, that is not true whatsoever. <laughs> you, you ask much more intelligent questions than I do, but, and I'm, I'm sometimes more like, just let me be funny and ask like the goofy question and you're much more dialed into asking the good, serious questions. So that's think- a good balance. I was thinking the other day that if I, if it was just my podcast, I wouldn't want to listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I, I could not agree with you more. Like you yeah. bring, you bring the F and fun every single podcast yeah. and you know exactly where to pause and look at me like, really, that was just said. And then, yeah. you know, I don't know. I just feel like we um, draw out each other's strengths and yeah. 
I, I could not agree more. It, it's been my, when people ask me when I retire from Rock Valley College, what, you know, what's one of your most rewarding projects, it'll definitely be this podcast. Awesome. So. Well, this has been season one of Everything RVC with David Costello and Amanda Keeper. We've enjoyed doing it. We enjoy uh, hearing all the feedback that we kind of talked about. Thank you for listening. You can find us on all your favorite platforms, and we'll be back for season two in 2021. This has been Everything RBC. Hey, yeah.